calling the, the good life. We started it last week, and uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, you go ahead and be turning to Genesis chapter 6. That, that shouldn't take you long. It's that first one right in the front, Genesis chapter 6. But we began this new series last week, and I'm so excited to uh, see what God wants to teach us through His Word, uh, through the Bible, about the good life. And that's what our focus is, what our focus is going to be on over the next few weeks. And, and here's why. We determined last week, the reason we're talking about the good life is because we determined last week that the majority of us, I would say probably every single one of us, would say, if we were honest, yeah, we'd like to have a good life, right? I mean, who would stand up today and say, I want a horrible life, you know? I want a bad life. I, I believe every single one of us would say we want good in our life. We want, we want the, the good life. And, and, you know, even if we may define that uh, in different ways, you know, some might define the good life as having a great day fishing. You know, others might define the good life as having a, a great day shopping. <laughs> That's not good. That's bad. Uh, we talked about that last week, and if you weren't here, you need to uh, you need to catch up on that online. But uh, I mean, who doesn't want the good life, even if our definitions are a little bit different? So that's what we're talking about. And and last week we kind of we kind of scratched the surface of it, talking about this. Uh, you know, we talked about last week that so many people today think the good life is just around the corner. You know, I, I'm almost there. I can almost reach it. I can almost touch it. I can almost taste it. But I hadn't quite got to the good life yet because it seems to be just around the corner. But we're learning from God's word, and we're going to be learning this over the new few, few uh, next few weeks is that the good life is not something that happens to you, but instead, the good life is something that happens in you and through you in your relationship with God. Now, here's something I want to say to you. We had, we had about 400, I don't know, you can look in your bulletin. We had about 400 people here last week, all right? You see this slide that's up here right now? 400 and some odd people read this slide last week, including my family, who are the biggest critics in the whole wide world of everything that I do when it comes to preaching, all right? And this slide was up in both services last Sunday. It was up in the early service this morning because this is the same slide I used last week. How come none of you told me there's a word missing in this slide? I just want to know. Y'all don't read them, do you? I, I get here at like 6.30 in the morning to type these slides in, and y'all don't even read them? Are you kidding me? So there's a word missing, and I realize that now that after one precious soul, one precious soul out of 400 and something told me this morning, you got a typo in that first slide. You might want to fix it. Yeah, you might want to. I don't care. I mean, not, not, when have y'all not wanted to make me feel bad before? I mean, so that is supposed to say the good life is something that happens in you and through you, all right, in your relationship with God. So now we're all on the same page, and feel free to correct me and critique me, and I'll tell you when to stop. But listen, when God wants to do something powerful and awesome in you, when God wants to do something incredible 
through you, one of the biggest hurdles that you will have to jump, jump over is the hurdle of fear. Okay? The hurdle of fear. And here's the deal. Fear, I believe fear keeps most Christ followers from experiencing the good life that God has for them. I believe it's simply fear that paralyzes so many people from experiencing the good life that God has for us. And all throughout the Bible, all right, when God is getting ready to do something absolutely incredible in, in someone's life, you see these four words time and time and time again throughout Scripture. And the four words are, do not be afraid. Now, this morning, the way I said that in first service caused me some issues throughout the entire service. All right? So I've, I've consulted with some people, some critics, and, I, and I'm changing the sermon a little bit because this morning, here's the way I said it in the early service. I said, do not be afraid. And immediately, I, my phone starts going, I feel buzzing, and then people laughing and all this. And it was like, how many of you seen, oh, brother, where art thou? Everybody in the early service this morning was like, do not seek the treasure. All right, so, so I'm going to try my best not to say, do not be afraid, like, in a, oh, brother, where art thou, okay? And if you've not seen it, you, it, you just don't need to see it. You'll never get that time back. It's just pure stupid, all right? Time and time again, the Bible, though, tells us, do not be afraid, right? Do not be afraid. Let me give you a few example, examples from Scripture. Genesis 15, verse 1 says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Reward. And God, God is simply saying to Abram, listen, Abram, do not be afraid of the unknown. Do not be afraid of tomorrow. Do not be afraid of what's going to happen in the future. Don't be afraid of that. And if you're not familiar with the, the story, God had promised Abram a child. God had promised Abram the promised land. And Abram has not seen a child. And Abram has not seen the promised land. And God's simply saying to him, listen, I know you don't see it. Yet, don't be afraid of what you can't see. Don't be afraid of the unknown. There's another example in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And God uses Moses to tell the Israelites here, do not be afraid of your enemies. Israel was in captivity and bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And now they're out of bondage. They're in the desert. They're, they're, they're you know, fleeing from Egypt. And they run into the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of them. The Egyptian army is coming up behind them and after them to capture them again and take them back into slavery. And these words are spoken to the Israelites. Do not be afraid. Because when we're afraid of the unknown, 
When we are afraid of our enemies, it can hinder us from experiencing the good life that God has for us. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 says, But after he had had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And God is saying to Joseph, do not be afraid of the reactions of other people, right? Do not be afraid what other people may think. When God is about to do something powerful in and through your life, he understands that fear is going to be your greatest obstacle. He created you. He knows you. And he knows that you're going to be afraid. He knows that you're going to be tentative. And it's going to be a huge obstacle. And so God whispers these words into our ears. He, he, he shouts these words into our hearts today. Do not be afraid. And so for the rest of our time together this morning, I want us to focus on three areas today where we can't be afraid if we're going to experience the good life that God has for us. And I believe we can learn these valuable lessons from the life of Noah today in Genesis chapter 6. And the first area that I want us to look at today is this, do not be afraid to stand up for God. Do not be afraid to take a stand. Don't be afraid to stand up for God. Don't be afraid to stand up for Jesus. Let's pick, it up, uh, uh, pick up our story this morning, our text from Genesis 6, starting in verse 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals and the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 9 goes on to say, this is the count of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. Scripture says everybody else, everybody else's hearts were filled with bitterness. Everybody else's hearts were filled with wickedness and lust and greed like we talked about last week. But Noah... <laughs> stood up for God. When everybody else was going left, Noah was going right. When everybody else was chasing after the things of the world, Noah was standing up for God. 
And every single one of us comes to a crossroad at some point in our life where we will either stand up for God and experience the good life that he has for us, or we will go backwards and totally miss the good that God has for us. And it's all contingent on one thing. It's contingent upon your willingness to stand up for God. And like many of you, you know, through my life, I've experienced a lot of those crossroads. A lot of those times, I've experienced some incredible things in my life, and many of them have hinged on one thing, and it's this, my willingness to stand up for God. I grew up in a church, and some of you, I've shared this with you before, but I grew up in a church in Conway, First Free Will Baptist Church on Washington Avenue is a little bitty church, uh, and it had wooden pews. Some of you don't even know what a pew is. But they're, they're basically these really hard benches that we sat on when we went to church. And oh, by the way, we went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And you didn't miss unless you were puking. And running a fever. You couldn't just puke. You had to run a fever and puke. Right? And then often we'd have about 20 revivals a year that lasted a week. (laughs) And we'd sit on those hard wooden benches. No wonder my back hurts. You know, churches, I don't believe churches were designed for comfort back then. We've got to make everybody comfortable now. Back then, they didn't give a rip. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they wanted you to be uncomfortable, right? At least as a little kid, that's, that's you know, how I felt. But at the young age of, of seven years old, I faced my first crossroad, right? Brother Zane Kirkland was the pastor of that church. Some of you old, some of you old free will Baptists, I know you. We all smell the same. But <laughs> Brother Zane was the pastor, and he never preached a message where he didn't have an altar call. And it was this particular Sunday morning, he ended his sermon the way that he ended them all, by having an altar call. And he said somebody was there that needed to accept Jesus as their Savior. There was somebody there that day that needed to be saved, and they need to be forgiven of their sins. And give their life to God. And I knew that it was me. I knew that he was talking to me because this wasn't the first time I had felt this. But I was scared. I was scared. I I, I was afraid. I was just a little kid in a room full of adults. Most of which were my family. It was one of those kinds of churches. I was sitting in the middle of uh, several of my friends there on that hardened wood bench. But the question was, would I stand up for God? Would I stand up for Jesus or would I allow this fear to defeat me one more time? And some way, somehow, God whispered into my ear or spoke into my heart, do not be afraid.
And at that moment, I could have cared less what anybody else in that building thought. I was going to stand up for God. So I slipped out of my friends, you know, in between my friends. I slipped out of that church pew, and I made it to the aisle. Our whole church back then probably could have fit right here in this section. You know, it's about that big. You slipped out into that aisle and looked down it, and it looked a mile long. Do not be afraid. And I made my way to the altar that day and gave my life to Jesus. And here's the best way that I could describe what took place when I was not afraid to stand up for God. The best way to describe it is as I stood up for Jesus, Jesus changed everything. He changed my entire life, <laughs> my entire destiny. Everything changed. This was such a huge moment. At the age of seven, I made a decision at seven years old that changed my entire trajectory of my life. Because Jesus changes everything. And he is good. And he changes it for the good. And since that day, you know, there have been many more crossroads there have been many more opportunities, and many of you know the story of how I ended up here and how Baptist ends up in a Nazarene church. I don't know, but y'all all have seemed to find your way. But just a crazy story how God called me into ministry here in this church. I've never served or pastored in any church but this one. been here for 20 years. And I've been blessed to experience some un believably good things here in this church. I've been able to, to uh, experience some unbelievably good things in my life since then, and almost every single one of them has been a result of my willingness to stand up for God. But, but here's the deal. Some of you here today, you're at your own crossroads. I've got mine, you've got yours. We all have them. And some of you here today are at a crossroads in your own life. And for you to experience the good life, for you to experience the goodness that our good God has for you, in order for you to have that and experience that, you're going to have to make this critical decision to stand up for God. Some of you, it's, it, it may be with your family. And your family is, is not honoring God. And maybe someone in the family is going to have to stand up, take a stance for God. Maybe uh, it's with your friends and they don't follow God or, or they don't live by the word of God. And you know what? It is so easy to compromise and fit in with them. That's the easy thing to do. Look like everybody else. It's the easy thing to do to act like everybody else. That's the easy thing to do but you have to make a decision I'm going to stand up for God and experience the good life right 
For some of you, it's at your workplace or maybe it's at school and, and there's just negativity everywhere. They say it's my office here at the church, but it's really not. But maybe where you work or where you go to school, it's just surrounded with just, you know, that. Surrounded by people who use bad language, surrounded by people who have bad attitudes. And you're surrounded with it. And you're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to be the one to stand up and be the light in this darkness. I'm going to be the one to stand up and be positive in this negative environment. And you're going to stand up for God. You have to make the decision. If everybody else around you is going to settle for what the world has to offer. And let me tell you what, what the world has to offer. Average. If you want to just have average, if you want to settle for average and what the world has to offer, you have to decide, you know what, I'm going to stand up for God and I'm going to allow him to work in me and I'm going to allow him to work through me so that I can experience the good life that he has for me. And Noah was the only blameless person on the earth at that time. And he stood up for God, the only one stood up for God. The second thing is this. Do not be afraid to make a difference. Do not be afraid to make a difference. And I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. If you're asleep or if you haven't listened to anything else, I want you to hear this today. And I want, it to, I, I want you to hear this and let it go to your heart today. You can make a bigger difference than you think you can. You can make a bigger difference than you think you can. Look at the life of Noah. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Listen, Noah spent 120 years building a boat and preaching to people. Building a boat and preaching to people. And the Bible says this about Noah in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Now, I want you to think about this. Noah spent 120 years preaching to people and building a boat. 120 years worth of preaching and building, and nobody got on that boat except for Noah. Right? Nobody else was saved except for Noah. 120. And 20 years of preaching, 120 years of building a boat, and nobody else gets on the boat. 120 years of preaching, and nobody listens to Noah. And as a preacher, I feel his pain because I preach and nobody listens. <laughs> and Noah has to be thinking, I'm not making a difference. He has to be thinking. <laughs> I'm not making a difference here. I'm building a boat, and nobody's listening to me. I'm preaching, and nobody's listening to me. 
Even my closest friends that I grew up with, they're not even listening to me. I'm building a boat and I'm not making a difference at all. But here's what I've learned, church. Often, when we're making a difference, it doesn't look like we're making a difference. Right? A lot of the time, when we're making a difference, it looks like we're making a mess. (laughs) Right? Think about it. Noah had... Think about what this whole look... Picture it. He's been given this huge task of building this huge boat. Okay? You with me? That would take a lot of boards. A lot of lumber. Right? And let me remind you, there's no Lowe's in those days. All right? There was no Whit Davis that you could just call up and they would deliver you some lumber to wherever you need it, wherever you want it, right? Noah had to make his own tools... And then he had to cut down all the trees that would be required for all this wood for this huge boat. And so think about Think about the mess. You've cut down trees before. You know what kind of mess it can be. He's cut down enough trees to build an entire ark. Imagine all of these trees that are, are, are just laying everywhere. There are branches everywhere. There are brush piles everywhere. There are tools laying everywhere. And Noah's building an ark. And it looks like he's not making a difference. It looks like he's just making a mess. How many of you would agree with me this morning that life can get messy? Life can get real messy. I remember a while back, and both of our twins are here this morning, and it's always good to have that, but... I remember a while back, one of, one of them got sick, and he was really sick, and I'm not going to tell you which, which one it was, because I would never embarrass any of my family members from this platform. Um, <laughs> but oh, by the way, when I got home from church last Sunday, my wife was in the laundry room. I walked by, and she looked up and said, jerk. <laughs> if you weren't here, you just, Sorry. But anyway, one of the boys was sick, and and, uh, he went into the bathroom, and just a little bit later, I I heard this come from the far end of the house. You have got to be freaking kidding me! And I'm like, that was awful foul language for preacher's house. And I look at Lynette, and Lynette does what mamas do, and she jumps up and she runs to the bathroom. And uh, a few minutes later, she comes back with that concerned mama look on her face, and she said, he's sick. <laughs> she said, he's bad sick. He's sitting on the pot and puking in a trash can. And uh, <laughs> he, he's vomiting, and he has diarrhea all at the same time. And, uh, and, and I'm like, you know, this is not good. <laughs> This is bad. This is real bad. Because those of you that know me, you know I'm a germaphobe, right? And, and so I'm like, Lynette, go take care of your kid, you know? Uh, because th- that doesn't sound good at all. I don't want that, uh, you know? And, and then I'm like, what has he touched? You know, and I've got the Clorox wipes out, and I'm thinking everything that he touched, let's wipe it down. If he got close to it, you know, let's wipe it down. Because, I, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. Be sitting on the pot, puking and having diarrhea at the same time. 
and he's sick. He's bad sick. He walks out of he walks out of his room and just a little bit into the living room and he says this. He was like, "Good grief, I got it coming out both ends at the same time." And and you know, as I thought about that, I don't mean to gross you out this morning. I'm sorry if I did, but but think about it. That's a lot like life, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, have you ever noticed that in life sometimes it comes out both ends at the same time? You know, life can be messy. But seriously, think about it. You're abused as a child. And then your parents get divorced. You know, you get laid off from a job. And then you wreck your car. Your spouse leaves you. And then your kids go crazy. You get a bad health report, and then you get a bad relationship report. You know, have you ever noticed that life can get messy, and it can be coming out both ends at the same time? And you find yourself in these messes, right? And you're trying to make a difference, but it doesn't look like you're making a difference. You're trying to make a difference, but... It looks like you're making a mess. But when you stay faithful to God, think about it, 120 years. When you stay faithful to God and keep building the boat, even when it looks like you're making a mess, even when it looks like you're not making a difference whatsoever, can I just tell you, you're making a huge difference. You're making a tremendous difference difference if you will stay faithful to build the boat. If you will stay faithful to build the boat. After 120 years of preaching and building a boat, it doesn't look like Noah's made any difference at all, does it? But let me tell you, Noah made a tremendous difference. Noah made a difference for his family. Scripture says that his entire family was saved. 120 years of preaching, worth it. His whole family got saved. Can I just tell you, that's the good life right there. I don't know what the good life is to you, but his whole family was saved, and that's the good life. That's the good life right there. When your family goes with you and his family was saved, Noah made a difference. Noah made a difference for the animals. Question for you. How many of you here this morning love animals and you got pets? Anybody? Yeah, a bunch of you got pets. We all love animals. Some of you even love cats. That's awesome. I love you for loving cats. Somebody's got to love them. But you can thank God for that. You know, you can thank God for Noah, that Noah was the only one that would take a stand and now you have your pets. And and not all of you raised your hands that you have a pet, so I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to share in this. How many of you like to eat meat? That's right. I'm like a big old juicy steak. God bless all you vegetarians. God bless you real good because you're just going to die with a bad taste in your mouth and hungry. I'll eat your steak. I love meat. Thank God for Noah. I was thinking the other day, you know, if it wasn't for Noah, I wouldn't have got that awesome filet that I had at Outback Thursday night. 
melt in your mouth. If it wasn't for Noah, the only meat that we would have to eat is seafood. Now, nothing against Chick Hart, all right? I, I love seafood. <laughs> he was here in early service. We're all good. We're all good, you know? I, I love seafood. I like shrimp. I like fish. I like crab legs, you know? There's another movie in that, shrimp. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I thank God for Noah that a preacher can have some fried chicken every once in a while. Some buffalo wild wings. If it wasn't for Noah, uh-uh. Somebody needs to say amen. It's close to lunch. Come on now. But seriously, Noah made a tremendous difference, did he not? Noah made a tremendous difference. Noah made a difference for every single human being because you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Noah, the only one to take a stand. We wouldn't be here today. He made a huge difference because one man wasn't afraid to take a stand and make a difference. He preserved the entire human race. Because when you are faithful to build the boat, even when it looks like you may be making a mess, when you're faithful to do what God tells you to do, you're making a bigger difference than you realize. When you're just faithful to pray, faithful to build the boat, faithful to pray, faithful to read God's Word, faithful to do the things that God calls us to do, faithful to give, faithful to tithe, faithful to worship, faithful to live a lifestyle that honors God. What are you doing? You're building a boat. You're building a boat. And I want you to know that you're making a tremendous difference. And the difference may not show up in a week. You may not see the difference a month from now. You may not see the difference a month from now or maybe even a decade from now. You may not see the difference until you get to heaven. But I want you to understand that when you are faithful to build the boat, you're making a difference for God. Do not be afraid to make a difference. And the third and last thing this morning is this. Do not be afraid to step out in faith. Do not be afraid to take that next step. We talk about it a lot. To take that next step, to step out in faith, to experience the good life. Listen to me. You want the good life? To experience the good life, you've got to step out in faith. Right? And one of the powerful, powerful things about Noah's life is that he wasn't afraid to take a step in faith, right? Noah built this huge ark that was taller than a four-story building. All right? It was as long and as wide as one-and-a-half football fields. Folks, Noah built the first carnival cruise ship. He was a bad dude, right? <laughs> but seriously, so many people miss out on the good in their life because they won't step out in faith. Friends, don't allow fear of the past. Don't allow fear of failure. Don't allow fear of man to stop you from stepping out in faith. It says this about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It was by what? It was by faith that Noah built the boat. It was only by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. 
Can I just ask you today, since we're all here, what area of your life is God speaking to you about to step out in faith and to obey Him? Maybe it's in the area of forgiving someone that's hurt you. Maybe it's Maybe it is reading the Bible more consistently than what you're currently doing. For some of you, God may have been speaking to you about starting a new business, going back to school. For some of you, God may be saying, I want you to attend church more faithfully. Maybe it's to start a new small group or serve in some area of ministry. Maybe... It's for you to be baptized. That's your next step of faith is just to be baptized. Maybe you need to join this church that is making a huge difference in this community that you live in. Listen closely to what God is saying because I believe with all my heart that God is saying to all of us today, take that next step in faith. Do not be afraid. (laughs) Take that next step in faith. And I just believe that God is saying to some of you today to step out in faith. What area of your life is God speaking to you to step out in faith? Verse 7 goes on to say this. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Don't miss this. This is so huge to this story. He obeyed God who had warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah obeyed God. He stepped out in faith. He builds this huge boat. And most scholars agree that Noah had never seen it rain. He didn't know what rain was. Think about it. Noah's building a boat. (laughs) And he has no clue what rain is. God just told him to build a boat. Right? And so he steps out in faith to build a boat for a flood, and he's never seen it rain. And, And I can tell you from my own experience And I believe if Noah could be here with us today, he would tell you the same thing. But in my own experiences, I've never regretted stepping out in faith. Not one time. Never. Take it. (laughs) I've never regretted once stepping out in faith. I think about my life from that moment that I stepped out in faith in that little Free Will Baptist church when I was seven years old. And you know what? 43 years later... I've had many more moments to where God has called me to step out on faith and follow him. And I don't regret a one of them. I've experienced so much good in my life. I've experienced so much good in my marriage and in my parenting and in my finances and in my faith. I've experienced so much of the good life because I stepped out and followed God. 
in faith. And I want that for you. I honestly pray that and want that for you. I want you to have the good life. I want you to have a good marriage. I want that for your finances. I want that for your faith. I want you to experience the good life. I do. And the good life is not something that's going to happen to you. The good life is something that's going to happen in you and going to happen through you in your relationship with God. Do not be afraid to stand up for God. Do not be afraid to make a difference. Do not be afraid to step out in faith because then you will have the good life because Jesus, he changes everything. (laughs) And it's good. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for your word today. This, This simple story that a lot of us learned in Sunday school as little bitty kids is so powerful. Thank you for being here today and speaking directly into our hearts. Because I know that you're speaking to some hearts right now about standing up for you. You're speaking to some about making a difference where you've planted them, whether it be at home, at school, at work, or wherever it is that they may go when they leave here. You're speaking to every single one of us today about stepping out in faith in some area of our lives. We hear you. And my prayer today is is that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. And I just want to ask today that you would continually, over and over and over again, speak those four words into our hearts when we need it and when we don't. Dear God, speak it into our hearts, speak it into our lives, whisper it into our ears. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I pray that our desire to obey you would be greater than all of our fears. I pray that you would give us the strength to follow you as you lead us so that we can experience the good life that you have for us. And God, I'm grateful that you change everything and you are good. And it's in your good name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the day.